Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast ranking Big Ten head coaches. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother below me. Um, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, to my left, your right. And that would be me, Trey but, Newman. But Michael, I'm actually really above you if you think about well, life, you know. I would disagree with that, but mm. we can have this conversation off air. Is that fair? I'd rather do it right now. Right here, right now, Mike. <laughs> no, yeah. I'd rather, I would rather not. All right. Be sure to follow us, everyone, on Twitter at CFB Bros, on Instagram at College Football Bros. Subscribe in your podcast app if you haven't already, and on YouTube. We got uh, a new look here on YouTube that we're happy to be showing off to everybody. And by the way, thank you to Sarah for putting all these images together. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome. All of this is thanks to her. Um, also, let us know uh, where we're wrong in this episode on all of those, all of our social media. I know it'll we be difficult it. to do, but I know because we're we're perfect. But you can try. Um, okay, let's get into the Big Ten, which of course is our topic this episode, and we'll start with a very easy number fourteen, Ryan. Yeah, uh, Mike Loxley, good old Mike Loxley at Maryland. He's six and forty. As a head coach. <laughs> That's not great. Can we move on to number 13 now? I mean, we could. We could. Uh, anyone else have anything to say? I mean, after the first two games, though, last year, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, well, maybe. Was, they were top 25. Yeah, like, maybe yeah. he's got something. He beat a disappointing uh, Syracuse Dino Babers squad. I, yeah. I know, but still, they started out no, I, on I know, fire. Yeah. And yeah. then, boom, one and nine. And they had, like, the one the other game that they perked up randomly in the middle of the year. I don't remember what. But when you lose, like, 50 to 7 to Nebraska, you got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing you thought you were hoping for him is that he would be an ace recruiter. And the first full recruiting class was fine. It was 31st. But that's actually worse than a couple of DJ Durkin's classes. Yeah, so yeah. DJ was doing well. And that was yeah. supposed to be Loxley's claim to fame because he knew exactly. the DC area and to be able to recruit. But at least, yeah. at least early, it's not happening. Not much to be excited about. Yeah. So moving on to another guy that I don't think many would be shocked to see down this low, number 13, Lovey Smith. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, like, I don't know. He's very fortunate. They had that huge upset against Wisconsin where Wisconsin just kind of buckled in the last couple of minutes. And then Michigan State blew their big lead to Illinois, uh, 28 to three. I mean, so those two games obviously saved Lovey's job. Uh, but they finished the year. They lost by three scores to a two win Northwestern team. They got dominated in the red box bowl. Like at the end of the day, he's 15 and 34. They're not recruiting. Well, I just like, I don't see, I don't see it happening. And at the Illini with him. No, I'm not. I'm not falling for uh, this last season making a bowl game. I mean, obviously it was nice, but I still have very low expectations going forward. And, you know, last year they were a little bit lucky. You mentioned in some of those games, also lucky with turnover margin. It was by far their their best turnover margin of the past few years. So, yeah, they were still 79th in Sagarin. It's not as if he made them a good team. They were just good enough to, to barely get to, to a bowl to scrape out three wins in the big 10 to to go bowling three cupcakes in the non-conference and three 
somehow wins in the Big Ten. So it's kind Sorry, of the Indi- kind of the Indiana recipe. Yeah, I love Lovey though. Got a great beard and seems not like a great photo. guy. What's oh not in this photo? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Clean shaven. I know. We we got the it's the NFL Lovey. Like, yeah, we got the official. You know, picture day. Yeah, you photos can tell this yeah. is when he was. Yeah. He was looking good. Clean cut. He gives a crap at that nice at tie. this current juncture on this photo. I mean, I like the beard look better. I disagree. I think I think the beard makes him look. You like the beard, son, guys, Mike? Yes. Why not? All right, moving on. I don't oh, have the Ryan's got a beard. That's why you asked that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have it's, the You're lovey. looking great. You're looking great. I <laughs> a like little it. scruff, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't usually go for the scruff, Mike. I don't. No, I rarely do. Clean you don't really have a good scruff, do you? Okay, that's rude. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. It's not the worst. Like, I can grow a, yeah. a beard, but... Trey just doesn't ever go for I don't, it. I don't... It gets itchy. I don't like it. If I you go could yeah, do within it, though, a few you days, I need it. to shave. Yeah, Trey could. You've got a great oh, five o'clock shadow, could. you know? Yeah, he does. I, okay. uh, I This is the point where it's like, it's starting to get the itchy point where you're talking about Trey. I can't let it go longer than this, and then it just gets annoying. So, I'm, I'll probably shave, like, either tonight or tomorrow, but it's not, I, I know what you mean by the itchiness. I don't know how people with those long beards do it. Maybe it gets to a point where it just like doesn't itch anymore and you're just yeah, I like, think it softens up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Moving great on. It was great, talk. great little yeah. excursion there. But number 12, we have Mel Tucker at Michigan State. All things considered, it was a fine hire given the timing of D'Antonio leaving. They were kind of put in a really tough spot. So to get Mel Tucker... That's that's fine, uh, but he's just a he's a big unknown. His first season at, at Colorado, he kind of just did what they were expected to, basically going five and seven. Um, he did bring in a pretty good recruiting class there, so there's there's one positive that kept him from from the bottom of the list. What yeah, the think? reason why I had him, I actually had him thirteenth behind Lovey. Yeah, oh, the the outrageous agree. amount of money that Michigan State had to pay him is. Uh, just doesn't go well for what his resume, I guess, shows. They overpaid a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's Possibly. just he's a big unknown because obviously he was a good assistant and he had that one year at Colorado. He, you know, nothing made me think that he he can he can flourish or he or he can't flourish. Um, he just he had moments and and the players seemed to like him. I, I did have that. I still have that image ingrained in me where they were playing SC and he decided to punt. Uh, against SC when he really should have gone for it on a short fourth down in SC territory and they punted and SC ended up driving down the field and beating him. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that happened. Who That's happened to a lot of coaches, but Sparty fans though seem encouraged by him. So that's at least promising for them. For sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, number uh, 11. We have our boy Tom Allen uh, from Home Improvement. Um, that's Tim. Uh, T. Allen. Close enough. T. Allen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look like Wilson right now behind your uh yeah, yeah your true. pop filter. Hey, we can only see the top of your face. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm trying to speak into the uh Kevin Wilson. Wilson. Huh. Yeah, all right. Anyways. There we go. Yeah, we all agreed on Tom Allen at eleven. Um he obviously moved up a couple spots, then we would have had him the the same time a year ago, uh winning eight games this past year. Uh it's got, you know, we'll see. I mean, we if he backs it up with another eight win season, my goodness, we'll bump him up to like number two or something, like really, really high because that's incredible. I don't, in Indiana. I, I don't know if we'll bump him that high. Okay, but. well, you know <laughs> what I mean. We'll, 
two years of eight wins in Indiana deserves better than 11th. True. I think he's got he, a good shot of it too. Michael I mean, Penix, I, there's some excitement there. Yeah, for sure. he does have Michael Penix. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he won eight. Uh, they they won some close ones this year, but I mean, he's done fine. He's, he's, well, he's been through three years. He had a couple five and sevens and then now uh, had an eight win. So he's he's kept them uh, competitive. Yeah, and oh man, they were they really just gagged with their bowl game. They should have had their nine wins against Tennessee, but mm-hmm. but I'm he's done more last year. Really, kind of showed something to me. Like he's done more than I I thought he could. Yeah, if I'm going devil's advocate here, because I think Indiana fans are probably very positive on him right now, and I am too. But I worry about losing Kalen DeBoer at offensive coordinator because he was only there for one year, I believe, coming from Fresno State. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that was the one year where Tom Allen had a good season. So, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see what the offense looks like without him. Fair. Yep. All right. Moving to number 10. This guy is uh, there's high positive and negative energy with him, but it's Greg Schiano of Rutgers. It's now he's this is a case of the return of the guy. He was the one that had Rutgers. Um, higher before he had left. And I mean, considering how bad Rutgers has been recently, there is a lot of genuine excitement now there. I mean, he's, it's amazing how quick it can, it can turn. He's starting to recruit better, um, you know, as well as, as it's been there. Um, he knows what it takes to win there. It's not going to be easy, but I think he's at least going to make them respectable, not going to be competing for Big Ten titles, but respectable. Yeah, I mean, he's totally reinvigorated the program. Uh, I mean, as much as you can when we haven't played any football yet. But yeah, I, the recruiting is the big thing here. He did a good job closing out the 2020 class. And that 21, 2021 class is off to a really good start. He's already got five of the top 13 players in New Jersey committed. So I just think he has a good blueprint. He's trying to kind of put a fence around New Jersey as much as he can. He's even got a four-star included in those those five commitments. So um, I really think he's going to make them respectable, respectable again. I think he'll make a bowl game within the next few years. I disagree. I don't think he's going to be able to make a bowl game in the next few years. They are so far behind that it's going to, if he can do it at all, I'd be surprised, but it's not going to be in the, in the short term. Uh, I mean, it's just, I, I look back at this as this is a, uh, I feel like it's more of just a desperation hire and I don't feel like it's going to work out. I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like, the Shiano name carries the same weight. I know he's got a, a decent start right now with the recruiting, but it when you first start is when you're hottest. That's when you first should be like, okay, hitting the striking gold and perception of the program, perception of you as a coach turning around should be the best. Your recruiting should be pretty darn good. It's, I don't know. He's not. He's their seventh in Big Ten right now for 2021. It's going to fall. Well, I mean, yeah, they've got they're amount. the worst team. That's pretty good. And they're going to fall. Me. They're going to fall. Well, obviously, they're going to fall, but still. Yeah. It's, so it's they're going to be like 11th, 12th, and it, I, mean, I don't think it's going to work out. Like, no one no one saw what Matt Rule was going to do at Baylor in a couple of years. Like, I'm not saying Shiano's going to do that, but like, Shiano at least has some some history there to prove that he can at least build him up. So, I don't think it's that outrageous to think that he'll improve them. Not well, that that would not be hard to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they'll get well. better, but yeah. not about that. But I don't see. I don't. I, I'll just say I don't think they're going to make a bowl game with Shiano. 
man. Yeah, our we'll longtime see. listener Rutgers Todd is is hating Ryan right now for sure. I'm sorry, Todd. Sorry, Trey sorry. and I are trying to make the argument for you. Sorry. Okay, moving on to number nine on our list. It is Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern, and I was actually the highest on Fitzgerald, which I I don't necessarily feel great about because. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's one of the hardest coaches in the Power Five, I think, to rank because he's undeniably done a great job over a long period of time at a place where it's not easy to win. And so I guess ultimately, I just decided not to overreact to one year. I know we had this conversation about another coach in a a previous episode this week. Um, I think it was Dave Doran. But uh, anyway, last year was was terrible. Um, But he went to a bowl game the previous four years. He averaged nine wins in those four years at Northwestern. Like, so we're not, we're not having to reach back too far in the distant past to see a bunch of success. It was just a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think he's a little bit underrated on this list, even if I wouldn't be super excited if he was my coach. I think the, uh, the fact that the offensive uh, struggles just hit an all time low last year is what makes it kind of worrisome, especially for this coming year. I mean, they, they, they need Peyton Ramsey to be the savior and just like turn that thing around. Cause they, I mean, they, they were one of the historic worst offenses ever last year. It was pretty bad. It was horrible. So it's, you know, they lose some key, key, key players on defense. I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying with the, the years past, they've been able to have some, some, some good wins and he's kind of made a living uh, on close wins. He's had a remarkable record in that type of, uh, in the one score games in his career at yeah, Northwestern. Yeah. Maybe the tide is turning on the other direction now. Uh, yeah, I was, Ryan was in the same boat as me, obviously, as I was very much influenced by last year. And But he, again, he's one of those guys that he can move up or down a lot based on solely what happens in this upcoming season. Because if he rebounds, it's like, oh, well, then I'm like, okay, well, then last year was just an aberration. I do think highly over him overall because he has that a pretty good resume at Northwestern. But if it happens again, then I'm like... Yikes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Number Here we are. eight. Oh, boy. Didn't think we'd get to him this quickly. Scott yeah. Frost. There he is. Yeah, man. What a difference a year makes. I mean, it's uh, going back a couple years ago or to the end of the for his first year. You know, he finished five and seven, yeah, but it was a very strong finish to the second half of the year. You, a lot of momentum. Thought the second year was going to be great favorites to win the Big Ten West, not just by Nebraska fans, but by the media. And they lay an, an egg and go four and eight. There's really no excuses uh, on that four and eight, honestly. I mean, there was enough experience coming back from the team. I know the offense really only had like one or two seniors that played, uh, but the majority of the guys on the team, on the offense, had played before. Uh, you know, you had Martinez coming back and experience on the O-line. So, and then the defense had quite a few seniors. So it just... There was no excuses. It's just a horrible year, a bad coaching job. I think we all could agree it was just like we were watching the games and we're just what kind of perplexed as to what's happening, some questionable calls and decisions and stuff like that. But uh, there's there's not a whole lot of positives just to go right now. And then to throw it on top of it, we lose uh, our our best uh, prospect out of, out of Nebraska to Minnesota committed the other day. So it's uh, pretty crappy right now. I got to be honest. That was yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think you, when you went over the seasons. I think you flipped the seasons uh, accidentally. Yeah, but, say. but either way, we uh, it, they still didn't go to a oh, bowl. Oh, yeah, my bad. Four yeah, and eight. Four and eight. They still didn't go to a bowl either, either year. 
Um, I flipped the numbers, but the perception <laughs> was yeah. No, I, yeah, I understood what you were saying, but it's it's clearly the understatement of the year as far as Nebraska is concerned. That twenty twenty is going to begin to dictate fully how his legacy will be, and if or not if he can turn it around. Yeah, I think we got to bring up what he did at UCF. Like, obviously, if you're just basing it off Nebraska, maybe putting him eighth ahead of a guy like Pat Fitzgerald is some right. people would would think is crazy but yeah. the job he did at UCF was one of the most impressive accomplishments in the last few years in college football of course the year before he took over 0 and 12 or maybe it was 0 and 11 but whatever it was they didn't it was zero wins for sure and it's been it 12, 12 games for quite a few years now Mike I know but for some reason you know sometimes they have like hurricanes will cancel a game so I don't know if yeah that happened that year regardless not important but uh but yeah and he led them to an undefeated season so and he's kind of set the foundation for them to be a powerhouse so that still counts in my mind and and i don't want to completely sound like a nebraska homer but like it's a it's a fact that he inherited nothing from mike riley coming to nebraska like there's no nfl talent on that roster as we've seen in the last few drafts like so he's kind of starting from scratch so he does get a little bit of a some leeway as far as his future but we'll see and we're only two years removed from him being the most arguably the most sought after free agent head coach in college football, like Florida wanted to hire him. Right. So yeah, everybody wanted him. I everybody. I think obviously you got to revise your thoughts of him downward, but there's still that upside there. Yeah. I haven't given up yet. Some of it. They, they'd better make a darn bowl game or else. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, or else Nebraska fans are going to not even support him. Yeah. It's, it's heading that like way, but they were when he was a quarterback in 96, when we lost Arizona state. Uh, but Ryan digresses. Yes. All right. <laughs> so moving on Nebraska to Homer, uh, a school with similar colors. Number seven, Paul Christ at Wisconsin. Now, I was probably the most optimistic on Chris or the highest uh, opinion of. And Michael, you were actually the lowest of, of us three. How so. in the H did you put him ninth, Michael? Well, I will tell so, you. So, yeah, lay it out, Mike. What, what do you, what's your rationale? So he, yeah, he's had some incredible seasons, seasons for sure at Wisconsin. So you, you got to give him some credit for that. Three but New Year's six bowls in six years or in five years. Excuse me. It's true. Three, it's true. But three I, out of five. Here's my, here's my rationale. And this is just the way I think. So I think Wisconsin just has the infrastructure and the culture under Barry Alvarez to where to some extent, I just think they're going to be good no matter who the coach is. And my evidence for that is that. We've seen what a couple of coaches who have done really well at Wisconsin have done elsewhere. Let's take a look at Paul Chris, the guy we're talking about. Just, not that long ago, just right before his Wisconsin tenure, he was at Pitt for three years. They went six and six every year. He was worse than Pat Narduzzi is there now. So that is that still counts to me because it was so recent. And then you have Brett Bielema, who, of course, went to three straight Rose Bowls uh, his last three seasons at Wisconsin. He goes to Arkansas and has a losing record there overall. So, you know, at Wisconsin, the way it is rolling now, obviously Paul Christ is performing and will is I expect him to perform much better than the ninth best coach in the Big Ten. But I'm trying to, I said this on a previous episode, put these coaches in a vacuum. So if I'm in a vacuum, who do I want as my head coach? If I'm, let's just whatever, South Carolina has an opening. I'd rather take a guy like Jeff Brom than... Paul Christ. That's just that's just the way I look at it. That is a 
I understand where you're coming from on that. I do. I do. But even at Wisconsin, there's still, it's not like the, it's just tailor made to make New Year's Six games. I mean, no, you're right. You're right. It's not like they're, I don't know, Florida or Alabama where everything's just set up easily. You still got to do it and perform and coach. So I think to have them ninth is too low. Uh, that's why I, we, we, I agree with your sentiment. Like if you look at the resume as far as three New Year's Six Bowls, in five years, you would think that's like number one or number two right. in your conference. I mean, you're elite, but, you know, Trey and I are kind of on the same line as like, well, it's, he is set up for success, but it, you still got to give some credit to him a little bit, Mike. <laughs> sure. Sure. He's done, he's done better than I thought he would. Cause I really didn't like him a whole lot at Pitt, but it obviously there is a, uh, there is a system in place that's, that he's benefiting from, but he's run with it. Yep. Okay. There's our Paul Chris debate. And we move on to number six on our list, and it is Jeff Brom of Purdue, the guy I just brought up. So I was the highest on him. And first off, he got to start at Western Kentucky. He did an amazing job there, taking them to an even higher level than Willie Taggart and, and Bobby Petrino did. And then he goes to Purdue. And prior to, to him getting there, they were in really bad shape. I'm going to read off their SP plus rankings the previous four years. 106th, 90th, 96th, and 105th. Very bad. And I always like when a coach can make an immediate huge jump. And that's what he did there. Year one, they were 48th in SP plus, made it to a bowl. So I think you're really proving your coaching chops when you when you turn it around so quickly, kind of like Scott Satterfield at, at Louisville, as we talked about in the ACC. But uh, then year two, 44th in SP plus, another bowl game. So really, we're just dealing with one bad bad year here last year. But his quarterbacks all got injured. His star players got hurt on both sides of the ball. Of course, Rondell Moore on the offense. So I can easily forgive it. Yeah, it's not hard to to figure out that last year was just an unfortunate occurrence for him. Um, the Rondell Moore injury and in the quarterbacks, it, that just derails you. I mean, your best player on your team and then your quarterbacks get hurt. They play. They had so many so many different revolving doors on their team last year and they were competitive. It's not like they were horrible. They still had some close losses and everything. And there was four and eight. I mean, they, if those, if they had a normal year injury wise, they would have made a bowl game there. I mean, I don't yeah. have any real doubt about that. So maybe Jeff Brom, I, I could have put him up one or two even more than I did, but yeah, he's, I, I, I like Jeff Brom. He's a great coach. Recruiting has been pretty darn good for Purdue, it's been man. Very good. So yeah, there's, he's, he he's good. He's good. I like I like Brom. Yeah, I might have been a little too uh, influenced by just last year. I, obviously, I knew about the injuries, but they still. It's like he's gone from seven wins to six wins to four wins. There's a story for each of those. You can't judge it solely off wins. I get that. Um, obviously, this past year with all the the injuries that we talked about, but uh, overall, I'm optimistic on him, and I love him as an X's and O's guy. Uh, but he'll just have to maybe have a little bit of a bounce back year to to get back in Trey's good graces. Oh, I'm sure that's <laughs> all he's hoping for right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh numero cinco. Uh, a very colorful gentleman, uh, PJ Fleck in Minnesota. Michael, you put him fourth, which, you know, is pretty high, but I guess, but I understand it. Um, he was great at Western Michigan. Um, now he's kind of got the, the boat rowing here in uh, in Minneapolis. Recruiting has started to improve a lot. I already mentioned the Nebraska guy he got, which hurts <laughs> a lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, kind of kicking Frost's butt 
But Trey, not quite as old. He had him at sixth a little bit. Not not too big of a difference, though, on him. He's He had a great year last year, and he it just seems like he kind of, yeah, as interesting of a gentleman as he is, he just kind of seems to know how to build a, a program. So, you know, five is pretty darn high when you consider there's a lot of good coaches in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, last year he really proved his chops. Like, I, I wouldn't have had him fifth or sixth a year ago, but he's really proven that he can build a program from the ground up. I mean... Heck, they beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Like, who saw that coming? That's very impressive. Now, can he build on that? Can he? Can I maintain that success, or even maybe take it one step further if he could? It's tough at Minnesota, but uh, they have a lot of returning production. There's no reason they can't. Uh, overall, I am impressed. It's just yeah. when you start to get to the upper half of the Big Ten, there's some other, yeah. some big boys in coaching. Yeah, and they 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 won some close games this year. That yeah, they were fortunate. Know, they, lost. they could have been seven and five. The whole this narrative year. would have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do give him credit too for he's done it twice now, of course, because he built Western Michigan up to going 13 and one, which is a pretty crazy job. So, yeah, he just outside of that elite tier. Um, I think, like you said, Trey, if he has another season or two like this, then he's going to he's going to jump into that group with, the you know, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin and the, and the, the rest of the top coaches. Yep. So moving on to a guy that. uh might be a little boring to some, but number four, Kirk Ferentz of Iowa. I mean, he's done an outstanding job in his career there. Uh, there, The team itself can be, quote unquote, boring. I mean, not just me saying that, but they're constantly churning out nine win seasons. That's good at Iowa. They've they've won it's good anywhere. three straight bowl games, 10 wins this past year. He keeps developing the talent that he has. They're not bringing in like, amazing recruiting class but he continues to develop them and uh he can't always quite get over the hump in terms of the big 10 like they can't quite win that big 10 title but they're always relevant and respected in the conference yeah this is to me this is similar to uh to like mike gundy is kirk ferentz teams are just always good and there doesn't seem to be any signs of him slowing down iowa has finished three of the last five seasons in the ap top 25 so his you look at at Ference's most recent five years, it's a bit better than even the five years before that. So I think that's a good sign and why he's, you know, not like a Gary Patterson or, you know, uh, Mark D'Antonio last year where you start seeing him slip down the lists. No, exactly. That's the thing. He, he's, it feels like, uh, the program you mentioned the the last five years compared to the five years before that, it seems like he's taken it to that next level where Iowa I was, I mean, they're for real. They're, they don't be, they, they, any, any win against Iowa seems this year, this nowadays is a good win. They're tough to beat. Um, they have a, obviously they have a great kind of culture set in place, but it seems like even the recruiting has taken an uptick. You know, they have a, they had a pretty solid 2020 class and even better start to the 2021. Kirk Ferentz, it seems like he's getting better every single year, but just like a little bit. So yeah. He's a fine I, I, wine. It, it is a fine line, you know, but he's no, done a good job. Wine, wine. <laughs> better with age. I, it's just, you know, I'm jealous. I, I, I wish there was some, uh, you know, I wish that that consistency and that level of, you know, I guess just that level of consistency is, uh, is something to you, you should take <laughs> take a shouldn't take for granted almost. Yeah, yeah, Ryan. Do you want like t- Iowa? Ryan, do you want to talk about that recruit that Nebraska lost anymore? Is it still? weighing on you yeah avante dickerson he uh he chose oh, minnesota man. and he wasn't even really in his final 
group of three, but randomly he chose Minnesota. It was supposed to be between Ohio State and Nebraska, but then randomly. All right, we're moving on here. Going to interrupt Ryan there. Number three on the list. over. What did you say? Nothing. <laughs> okay, I legitimately <laughs> did not hear you, but. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Number three is Ryan Day at Ohio State. Only been a head coach for one year, but Ryan, you had him number one in the Big Ten. Why? Uh, did you not watch Ohio State play this year? <laughs> I did. They were incredible. They were better than the Urban Myers. I think they were better than the two, the national championship team of Ohio State's 2000, what, 2015, I think they had. They were better than that team, in my opinion. Uh, Justin Fields was flawless. J.K. Dobbins was insane. The defense was significantly better than the year before. Uh, and I give Ryan Day credit for all of that. I mean, he's just made the right decisions. He pushed the right buttons. Even after the turmoil of the ending of the Urban Meyer era, it was kind of a uncertain time and you didn't you weren't sure what you were going to get from Ohio State because they weren't all that great last year. Heck, they almost lost to, you know, Nebraska. But <laughs> they just weren't they just weren't very good. I mean they had a solid record, but they just weren't that good. They had yeah. a lot of close games. And then Ryan Day took them to another level. They're recruiting this this coming in this um 2021 class on another level, even better than the Urban Meyer days. They're number one in the nation right now and actually have a legitimate chance to finish number one. So I think he's taken Ohio State to another level, even than they were. So to me, that's incredible. I think he's the best coach in the Big Ten, and he's proven it. And I, I don't blame him for losing to Clemson. Uh, no, you know, no. And, it's, and it, so it's it's the best Ohio State team that I've seen in the last, even even including the Meyer days. Yeah, I mean, it's this one. I, I don't blame you for putting him number one because it's sort of like Lincoln Riley after year one. There was really no reason to think that OU was going to slow down. So even though it had been just one year, just kind of getting ahead of the eight ball and saying Lincoln Riley is a top five coach probably, of course, would have been a smart thing to do. Same with Kirby Smart after year two at at, at Georgia. Um, but, you know, for me, it's just I, I had the other two guys we'll get to ahead of them, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin, because each of them has done, I think, tougher jobs. They've they've inherited multiple bad situations and made the teams good. So I, I think that's more impressive. Let's not pretend, though, that Michigan State or Penn State are bad jobs. It's not that no, hard not to make job. those teams good. No, but uh, here's the thing is Ryan Day inherited arguably the best team anyone could ever inherit. Like I would honestly say that maybe only Larry Coker at Miami in 01 inherited well, a better team. Well, nothing compares with Larry Coker. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's true. I, I mean... So that's where I'm just saying that in a couple years, he could no doubt be number one. I just want him to prove it to me that he can actually run the program. I mean, there's no reason to see that this train's going forward. Like Ohio State's not slowing down because like you said, Ryan, they're just recruiting like crazy. Like they're going to be good, but I still want to just see it a couple more years and and see what, what he can do on his own. Yeah, because the question I kind of ask myself when trying to decipher between these three is like, Okay, let's just take some random school because it's it's hard to separate Ryan Day from his situation at Ohio State. It is a very very good situation. Let's put all three of them at Eastern Michigan. Let's put you know individually. Who am I most confident is going to turn Eastern Michigan into a really good team? I've seen Harbaugh do it. Um, you know, at a very struggling Stanford team. I've seen um, James Franklin do it at Vanderbilt. So. And and of course they went on to then again do it at their respective schools right now. So that's that's why. But it's a different 
you can't just that's it's apples and oranges a little bit there. You you can't just say because Jim Harbaugh obviously has the cachet of Jim Harbaugh. The name Jim Harbaugh carries more weight than it does Ryan Day. Doesn't mean he's a better coach. Now, True. given the situation, Ohio State it kind of sells itself. You don't have to worry about what your name is as the coach. You're going to be able to do all those recruit and get good talent. But can you coach it? Ryan Day has proven, well, at least in one year, that he was in a remarkable coach. Jim Harbaugh, he has the name, yes, he has the cash say, but can he get to that elite point that a Ryan Day got a team? I just feel like it's, you you can't just, I don't know, it depends on the fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of coaches that could have, Ryan Day pushed a lot of the right buttons. I'm not disagreeing, but there's a lot of coaches who could have had success with that team last year. But that's, maybe he's getting i'm punishing from him for that but yeah well, that's just the way i looked at it i do it. think in like three or four years or maybe even sooner trey you and i if if someone comes back and watches this episode if you're in the future sup how's it going i hope things are good <laughs> but i think we're probably going to look stupid here trying to argue for you know well no because that's different it's different like if i had to predict it i know i'm very confident that ohio state's going to be good in two years yeah so that'd be three years of Ryan Day. But I was just kind of trying to, like you say, in the vacuum, like right now, that's where I'm looking. That's why. But yeah, if I had to project, I know Ohio State's going to be good in the next two, three, four, five years. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. That was a great conversation, guys. I really appreciated that. All righty. Moving on to number two, then. Uh, we got uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. So we all had, every single one of us had James Franklin ahead of Harbaugh by one spot in, in our rankings. Uh, I mean, it, it was hard to decipher between those two guys, Harbaugh and, and Franklin. There's, I mean, they're not a whole lot separating them. So I guess I'll just ask you, Mike, what, uh, I mean, is there any particular reason that you can, you attributed to putting Franklin just one spot ahead of Harbaugh? I mean, I... I can get to it, but I essentially flipped a coin because you're right. I'll, I'll, let's talk yeah. about the ways that they're similar. So both of them, their last two college jobs were were so eerily similar. Their first at a at an academic institution that is, you know, had fallen on hard times, or in Vanderbilt's case, has just kind of always had hard times. But both of them took those programs and elevated them to levels that people really didn't think was possible. So. uh both did similarly great jobs at at Stanford and Vanderbilt, and then now their their current jobs. I'd say Michigan and um, Penn State were kind of in similar ish situations. They at this point are similar in terms of program prestige, and if you look at SP plus Sagarin ratings, recruiting rankings, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin have basically done the same thing. I gave the tiebreaker to to James Franklin because they have won. A, a few more games over over the past few years, but and they beat Ohio State. They did beat Ohio State, but I mean, head to head, Franklin and Harbaugh the last four years they're two and two, so it was just so hard to separate. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I've always just been a I've been, I've been a fan of both these coaches, but I've been a Franklin guy. He inherit. I think you know it was a tough situation to walk into at Penn State, and he it was a he not like he started out great. He was a little under fire in his his first year, but. He turned him around really years. quick. He yeah. actually won the Big Ten. He won the he beat Wisconsin in the the Big Ten title. Um, yeah, I just love his passion. His his he's just a great coach. But and the other thing that's unfair to Harbaugh and we've talked about is so many people harp on the fact he hasn't beat Ohio State. But it's true, obviously. But 
you know, yeah, the, the ball ball gets spotted an inch back and and he beat him. The narrative is just is just because of that one game, and uh, he's still a great coach. Like anybody, any program would want him. Yeah, and the, they should. A couple heartbreaks for sure. The Michigan State punt thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, he's Flip he's a house. few heartbreaks away from the narrative around it because the narrative around him is oh Harbaugh's overrated, yada yada. But I don't know. I just I think Win those two games that we're talking about, and he's like elite. Yeah, because he might have been in mind. the playoff in uh, what was that twenty sixteen that uh, Ohio State. Yeah, I forget the year. I forget but, yeah, the year, but yeah. I think that was it. Okay, it's just yeah. Well, then moving on to. Number one, not really a shocker here, James Franklin at Penn State. Um, I think we kind of we kind of just had that discussion. Does anything anybody have anything to add about Franklin? I, I just the, the the two years he had at Vanderbilt, going nine and four, uh, those last two years, it was just. Uh, I mean, those were <laughs> that's impressive, man. I know. When nine really wins to Vandy, back and think about that, that's pretty amazing. Come on, come on, yeah. And in his second year. He got to nine wins at Vandy. That's that was impressive. That, I mean, I was flipping a coin, obviously, between those two as well. But though, I just feel like it's harder to win at Vandy than it is at Stanford because the SEC is so much better than the than the Pac-12. So that's just why that was my only reason for the difference between sure. Harbaugh and and Franklin, and because Franklin somehow managed to beat the Buckeyes. Yeah, and could have beat him another time if he hadn't. Uh what run the ball on fourth and seven or whatever it was yeah <laughs> yeah he's had some Oops. questionable decisions but yeah. all right let me ask you guys a question we did the big 12 yesterday and we had lincoln riley number one would you rather have james franklin or lincoln riley james franklin oh really i just think he's a more proven recruiter uh at this point than lincoln riley i'm not sure why you say that yeah, i i guess i guess it's it's tough i mean I guess if you ask me the question, who would I want to build a program? I'm more confident in James Franklin because I know he's done it. I, yeah, that's Riley kind of the deal, I guess. That was the, my took the keys and ran. Yeah, that was kind of my argument. What, what were you we talking about? We were talking about Ryan Day compared to Jim Harbaugh. If you're talking about a coach that can take over, like a, a program that's already established, maybe I would say Lincoln Riley because I know he's got the X's and O's and he's elite in that category. But if you're talking a program that needs a complete rehaul, then I would rather have James Franklin. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I still would take Lincoln Riley just because you have him and you see his his fingerprints on the team. Like, you know, his offenses are the best in the country because of him. It's it's pretty obvious. That's true. Um, That's a good point. But I guess I guess it's more legitimate argument than legitimate argument than I thought, because I thought you guys were all going to say Lincoln Riley. But that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. All right. Let's let's show for our YouTube video. YouTube viewers the final list here in the big 10 uh any any thoughts you guys have looking at this list overall i mean i just you know to me as far as conference strength of head coaches i think this is one of the best i mean between big 10 sec it's hard to decipher in my eyes which is the best i might give the edge to the sec at this point they have some those top five at the sec are pretty dang legit as we'll get to in a in a couple episodes here but i mean (sighs) The the bottom two guys are about the only two guys that I think can't be successful. All the other twelve guys I think could be. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, I would. Yeah, Scott Frost at eight now. True. I I think I think the SEC has a, a bigger lead than you're kind of insinuating. Yeah, maybe there. so. I I guess the SEC. I, I would pick the SEC, but yeah. I think the Big Ten is second. 
possibly. I think Big 12, I'd have to, it's tough when we're kind of just going off the cuff here, but Big 12 is is pretty good too. Uh, I think they, at the bottom, are maybe stronger than the, the Big 10 is at the bottom, but uh, but yeah, Big 12 or Big 10 is... Uh, well, yeah, everyone just the, makes it not fair. After going through the lists of kind of all the, the conferences, when you think, because when you think of the Big 12... Just not coaching wise, just in general, you kind of just think, okay, well, it's Oklahoma and Texas. But then, like, you really dive into the coaches. Like, it's a pretty impressive list um, when when you when you look at it. So I, that's where the Big Twelve impressed me. I'm not saying they're the best, but it was more impressive than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That'll do it for our Big Ten coaching rankings. As always, we'd uh, appreciate it if you could help us spread the word about the show retweet us when we post the episode on twitter post a um a share sorry our our posts on facebook if you are a member of a college football message board sh- throw a link in there especially if it's a big 10 board why not we'd really really appreciate that and we will be back tomorrow with the conference in our neck of the woods here in southern california the pac-12 the conference of champions <laughs> so we'll talk to you then You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.